This episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. Save 10% on any new subscription at trylootcrate.com forward slash AFBlues. Enter promo code BREACH10 for 10% savings. You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 294 for the week of Wednesday, 11th of October, 2017. I'm Eddie and with me tonight are Ben and Scott. This episode is brought to you by Loot Crate and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, our Toy of the Week is the Diamond Select Gallery Phoenix Statue, and our discussion topic is a toy breakdown of the Marvel Legends San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Thor set. Hello, hello, welcome again to another AFB. Guys, how are we doing today? Hello. Good. Great greetings, we are well. I am well. <laughs> great greetings. Great great greetings. What's a that's a greetings that starts with a um uh it's two two grease. That's good. Okay, well since you're starting with two Gs. Yeah. It was huh, a nice what? cover though. I was it, it, you could barely hear the van backing up on that one. It was good. Um, so, how are you doing today, Mister Scotty? What's news in your world? Oh, news, news. Missus Scotty is currently um, on a mission trip to Cambodia, um, which has become an annual thing as part of her work. So that is super exciting for her. And uh, so I am doing the uh, single dad thing. Um, but absolutely cannot complain because I travel for work all the time. And, uh, yeah, so the Scottettes and I are having a good time. Um, <laughs> ben and Eddie have already been regaled this evening with tales of weird rashes and malfunctioning <laughs> electric toothbrushes and everything else that burst into the room right before we started. So there you go. This is what you have to look forward to in about 10 years, Ben. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm halfway. Yeah, it's it's, it's happening already. <laughs> uh, I, certainly, I certainly get the mysterious, you know, um, I think I need to go to the hospital because my ankle's not working type, you know. It's like, well, were you sitting odd on the couch? I had some pins and needles. Could that be it? Yes, that was probably it. Give it half an hour and if you're dying, we'll, you know, do something about it. <laughs> and what about you, Ben? How are you doing today? Yeah, not too bad. Nothing terribly exciting. Quiet day at home. Uh, yesterday, so uh, I did some rearranging of the collection. I got enthusiastic with my Marvel Legends Shield agents, and uh, yeah, set them up properly for a change, so to match the rest of the collection, which was nice, and um, which means I could actually display my Mandroids, which was good. Now, in fairness, for those who don't understand that are just listening to this, uh, when someone would say, oh, I set up my shield agents today, you sort of think, oh, you know, collecting rule of three, yeah, he yeah, has, yeah. you know, two or three of the setup. <laughs> uh, we got texted, uh, oh, well, I assume, Scotty, you might have got it as well, but we got texted <laughs> pictures of this shield collection, and there are probably more mandroids in Ben's collection <laughs> than have appeared in panels of comics added together over the years. Yeah, uh, I was going to so, take you up on that challenge. <laughs> yeah. Ben, I, ben I think it has all the androids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. It's usually only one or two in a panel when they turn up, so they're, they're not a big – and they haven't had that many appearances, whereas Ben has a full armada 
uh, <laughs> kind of shell for these mandroids. So I'm, I'm a victim of circumstance. So it's, uh, what? You know, when I see people selling them, I realise, you know, they're selling them, they need the money, and, you know, you've got to help a brother out. So, oh, just, you know, I it's see. all about them, not me. I understand totally now. You're just, you're just generous. <laughs> I am. I give, yeah, I give, it, I give, and I get stuck with these hordes of army builders in return. Yeah. It's like I can't walk past someone selling the big issue unless I've actually got one in my hand. Um, <laughs> and you're, you're just like that with mandroids, right? Uh, I am. I, and I'm helping homeless Hydra people. Agents. You're just building your triangle action, <laughs> but it's almost practically the same. It is. It is. You know, so everybody gives in different ways. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, enough about me and my OCD. Uh, what about you, uh, Mr. Eddie? I, I've just been one of those, once again, boring, except I did uh, pick up uh, one of those mini Super Nintendos, as well as it seems like everyone in my friendship group. So that's <laughs> the new the hottest thing. And I was sort of debating, and I might have even put it on our sort of behind-the-scenes things, but I was like, does this count as a toy of the week? Can I review a Super Nintendo to make sort of the value of buying one worth it, but I still no. uh, convinced myself that I, I could buy one, and I brought one. And <laughs> it's fun and nostalgic and has really cool things, like you can retroactively change your HD TV so it has those lines running down that old TVs <laughs> had when you'd plug in the VCR, the sort of scan channels and things. And so I have this big $1,000 TV that I'm making look <laughs> like uh, an old $100 90s one that you'd give the kid for the back room to play uh, uh, a game on. So technology is just amazing. It's marketing genius. Yeah. We spend all this money on phones with cameras so we can apply a filter to make it look like a Polaroid and then get video games that can. It's, it's the future. It's the future, everybody. Yeah. We're sick of our 4K, you know, consoles. Mm. And what, speaking of buying things, how have you guys fared in the toy markets this week? Uh, what about you, Mr. Scotty? I think I may have failed at collecting this week. I I, oh. I sold things, um, so I'm re- recycling. Well. I am, yeah. <laughs> well, with with um, Mrs. Scotty away, I've had a bit of time to from the normal husbandly duties to get into the like. I have a I have a storage you know unit thing where I keep my boxes of boxes, but then <laughs> I have um, some tubs in the garage that are the things that I'm intending to sell at some point. So when I get a chance, I just break open a couple of those and whack them up on Facebook and see who will buy. Um, mm. And then, you know, deal with mostly nice people and then um, all the stupid people. Um, yeah. That, yeah. My favorite is, so what's your best price? I'm like, I'm so <laughs> glad you asked because I actually put my worst price up on the item, of course. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Will you take a trade for something you don't collect? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have this um, Superman Returns figure. Uh, yeah, just wondering if you'll swap me that uh, Sentinel for it. <laughs> or my other favorite yeah. is sold, and then they message you and say, I don't get paid for a month. Is that okay? Yeah. You're like, no, that's yeah. not sold. Don't. Don't sold in the comments, people. <sighs> Mm. Well, the other great one is um, there's more on that 
the sellers end but one thing i've noticed recently people who go like super rare and it's like well who are you trying <laughs> to sell it to because you're in a collector community so the people know it's not super rare or they're not that well informed and not that knowledgeable of a collector in which case they're probably not going to spend the three digits that you're after on this because they're probably not in the hobby to that level uh to get it if they're convinced that your comment of it being super rare is actually real. So that's <laughs> nice. Yes. And and if you get something from a discount store, it's not super rare. You can't use that no. title is the other. So so Ben, yeah. did did you also fail at collecting? Or No. No, no. Okay. I I did well. I did well. Um I mentioned with my uh XM Studios Beta Ray Bill statue review a couple of weeks ago that he was actually the second one that I ordered and I ordered him about uh, four months after my first statue, which was the one that actually got me to take the plunge into the line. Um, and so that first statue I ordered turned up a week after Beta Ray Bill. So he's sitting here and I'll talk about him next week. Outstanding. I have seen a photo. It mm. is gorgeous. I know. Fine. And I just went, get, get, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> tempter. Tempter. Oh, it's, uh, it is. It is. Yes. Deliver us you? from pre right. you, you, uh, You've done well in the uh, exclusive. Yeah. If you guys are kind of on the edge of apparently losing collecting, I feel like I won it this week. I had a bazillion <laughs> pre-orders actually ship in the one week that I was getting home and it looked like Raiders of the Lost Ark at my front door. Just <laughs> wow. boxes galore. So I actually got in my GameStop exclusive uh, Deadpool, the back in black one, which is uh, very cool and I'm very excited to own uh, because I am somewhat fond of the character. Uh, no. I got the Jaina Solo <laughs> in, which is I'm a big fan of those legendary um, characters in I'm glad to see that happening I had the Snoke figure I had uh, one for our good friend and listener the Ginger Prince I finally got in an Admiral Akbar for the Black Series Hooray. I had my Revoltech Wolverine come in I had our uh, discussion topic for tonight come in and many many more things uh, also uh, make their way through so yeah i had a huge week of just felt like every night it was almost a chore to be ripping open oh uh, you poor thing that must be awful almost do you need the number for a lifeline (laughs) no but do you know the the weird thing was so i've been doing this thing just as a bit of a self-challenge on my social medias where i've been posting a picture of a figure a day, just something random from my collection. And because I got some things in earlier, I thought, oh, this will be good. I'll put up a picture of Deadpool because I don't know of too many people actually having him yet, if at all. And uh, Jaina Solo, I don't think anyone's really gotten a hold of yet. I think I'm one of the first. So this will go good. And they, they got some a little bit of responses, but nothing much. And then I put one up of a RoboCop 3 figure and it went, bonkers <laughs> it was just, it's been sitting in there for years but that was the one people went over and i was getting retweets from retweets oh, and, and it just, yes. I, I still don't understand the internet but 
<laughs> don't try. No, yeah. don't try. Yeah. Those Robocop 3 fans. That's the... the internet is making us dumber. Yeah. It really yeah, is. I'd, I'd, it's I'd, um, I'd, I'd agree to them. For all the opportunity to kind of, you know, learn about other people and other things, it just seems to uh, breed the reverse. <laughs> I feel like our only hope humankind has now is that we discover aliens so that we've got something off the planet to hate, mm. um, you know, mm. instead of hating each other. Mm. Yeah. If you've never seen the film Idiocracy, it's uh, worth yeah. a watch. <laughs> it's not just funny, but it's a terrifying forecast of the future. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of uh, the horrible news on the internet, how about uh, we wrap things up and go over and speak about some articulated news? All right. Okay. Yay. Spike. And now, Spike, we're lifting our He-Man light shirt. Oh, Spike! <laughs> Skeletor, Spike Orr, and He-Man figures each sold separately. Spike. No one can stop the spike-studded armor of the mighty Spike Orr. Not even me, you muscle-bound porcupine! Not even you, He-Man! Spycore is new from the Masters of the Universe collection. Other action figures, each sold separately, from Mattel. Before we get to our main features, we start each episode with a bit of news. Articulated news is where we discuss the latest events and announcements in the toy and collectibles world. We're not a comprehensive news service, but these are just the stories that relate to things that we're interested in. And have caught our eye this week. Uh, so, guys, this week was uh, New York Comic Con. So, uh, it's safe to say that took a bit of the toy news space, but uh, probably not a super lot revealed this year, it feels like. No, it's a bit of a fizzer, yeah. actually. It came and went, and I think I checked the news updates a couple of times, and meh. Yeah. I think I'm um, like you know we go through phases of sometimes a New York Comic Con being a bunch of reveals and some not but I think that you know one thing in general is that companies lead times for most things are besides Funko that just pop them out the next day um are <laughs> you know getting longer um and so yeah. it you know I what I saw through, from the galleries and things that I've look through was, you know, a lot of companies showing just the same stuff from San Diego, basically. Um, maybe with a few little improvements or additions or whatever. Uh, hey, remember mm. that prototype that we showed you 12 months ago? Hey, now we can show you a coloured version. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I guess there is the weird thing, too, of the timing. Like, obviously, has Con has been, which has now taken up a few spaces that probably would have been at New York Comic Con mm-hmm. without the convention. Um, you also have like movie wise, things are slowing down near the end of the US summer, so there's not as many licenses that are going to have reveals going. You have people who don't exhibit, like Necker's usually a big one um, at other conventions for news, but they don't exhibit at New York um, Comic Con. So there, there are. I guess some things with her being at this time of year too that uh, play in. But there were a couple of things at least that caught my eye. Um, Obviously, we're big Marvel Legends fans and they did tease a few more uh, Legends, um, two of my favourites being the Noir, Spider-Man and uh, a fella who's been on, was on Ben's top 10 
uh, list recently, which can now be crossed off multiple man. Yay. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> With three heads. Yay, yay, yay. <laughs> so I'll need at least nine of those. That's right. I was well, going to say that's your yeah. new army building <laughs> obsession. And you had a few because it was also the Star Wars Black. You had Dengar yeah. and Forlom popping up uh, there. Zuckus. So He'd always be Zuckus. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that's true. If I say the name, no one knows which I'm actually. <laughs> I, uh, with Multiple Man, I um, am really fond of the more modern uh, X Factor costume. So, you know, I, I'd love to, which I think you could almost make out of this mold, like, because it's um, mm. kind of just different colors, really, with a bit of, you know, obviously no, no helmet. Um, and there's a lot of so I, I wonder if you know we might see a repaint somewhere down the road because I really like that modern. Um, Would be easy because he does have the long coat there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. and he, he does coat. have the yeah, non-mask. Um, <laughs> hat so it, yeah it's, it would just be a matter of the repaint which would be yeah i mean i think we'll see a lot of custom repaints anyway like i feel very sorry for the guy who sculpted that coat because i, I feel like he's being you know yeah. done a disservice with the amount of reuse <laughs> that that thing has had yeah. like it's it, absolute flogging it's uh see i thought that was in i could be completely wrong here but i thought that was a new coat oh i thought it's it was the Phantom X one. Because I thought it had different sort of padding in the um, collar. I could be completely wrong on this. Um, I haven't had a chance, but um, I think at least the arms are new. Uh, they might have re-sculpted the arm parts for it, but it did look a little... Because uh, those guys tended to have sort of bow arms with that coat uh, design. Yeah. But I could I could be wrong on this. This is not a... Um, a uh, fact-checked statement, but... Uh, yeah. I'm actually really impressed with the number of characters they've managed to get from uh, the Edge of Spider-Verse thing. Like, I mean, that, that you know, that was a fun storyline in terms of, um, you know, introducing the Spider-Mans from other universes. And uh, I think there was some real creativity uh, put into coming up with some of those concepts um, you know, obviously the, the most successful one is Spider-Gwen, but I think Noir, um, you know, the Spider-Punk, even uh, Spider and India uh, are all, you know, really, really clever concepts. And, you Spider know, India? I, yeah, there was a good one version. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah he's, um, he was from Marvel in like the early 2000s, tried to start publishing comics in India, and there was an uh, Indian Spider-Man, I think. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I think I forget his name, but yeah, he was he made an appearance in the. Of course, I think the one that we'll never get is the um, the the Japanese one, where it's very similar to sort of um, you know big guy and Rusty the boy robot type situation where you've got the you know the guy inside his giant mech. Um, you know that'll never happen. But and I mean you know uh, it, I'd obviously prefer established characters like Puma and Silver Sable and and people like that, but. Uh, at least those characters are significantly different enough to be like fun additions. They're not just, you know, he's Spider-Man with a slightly different shade of blue, um, which you know they've they've tried to pimp on us a, a few times. So yeah, some nice nice additions. That noir looks good. 
Uh, and uh, on the DC side of things, I was very excited because the very first DC comic that I've picked up and read uh, was a story by uh, one of my favourite artists still to this day, Mike Mignola, and that was Gotham by Gaslight. And we are getting a DC multiverse uh, sort of steampunk Batman. So I am very excited uh, by that, as well as uh, some more expanded DC Universe stuff, which has been a while since we've seen anything not Batman or Superman uh, in the DC line. So we've got Ray, Vixen, and a Rebirth Wonder Woman, as well as a Superman Lex Luthor. So they're, they're all fun uh, pieces to see. Yeah, yeah. glad to see Vixen and Ray. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, it's one of those things. Look, I, I still have all my DC Universe figures. Actually, I think I sold my Builder figures a while back just because I was like space and you know you know my rule about I don't I'm not I'm not spending any more money in my life on this stuff it has mm-hmm. to come from you know selling stuff um but I've still got all my single figures and I keep you know they're in the box of things to start selling um you know but it it's such a lovely collection incomplete <laughs> as it might be um and when I see things like that I'm like oh uh, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you can't take it with you, you know. And I and I think it's some st- particularly stuff I don't have um, um, space to display. I think that's the kind of stuff I've got to be a little bit more cutthroat about because I'm really enjoying the stuff I'm collecting now, and I should just focus on that and um, yeah, not be poor. Aren't, aren't you kicking all your children out when they turn seventeen? <laughs> No way. <laughs> we we built a house so they could live here forever, don't you know? No, um, the, yeah, so, well, I think you never know. I feel like we've raised a couple of homebodies. Um, so, and, and uh, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> oh, geez. I had one of my girls uh, probably a couple of months ago and she was still six. And uh, she was saying, Daddy, I'm going to live with you and mummy forever. Ever, it's like oh, <laughs> everybody should have a dream. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because as they get older, yeah. and you start to think about, oh my gosh, like it's going to be really weird when they leave. Um, and then sometimes I think, you know, that can't come soon enough. But <laughs> <clears throat> you know, I love my kids. Like I, you know, I, you know, I don't. I left home when I was seventeen, partly because I just had to get away and. That you know, mm. you know, definitely tried to parent in the opposite. So not not to make them dependent on us, but just to have a good enough relationship yeah. that if they want to hang around, they can. Yeah, yeah, true. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of things around the house, my last uh, bit of news relates to the freezer, and uh, that is that the uh, Dragon Ball Z figure arts is re-releasing one of its more expensive uh, pieces of freezer in his final form which I don't own, so I was excited about mm. that. Neither do I, so hooray. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Some of those early ones are worth a fortune. Mm. Just, I'm going right back to where we started with the Marvel Legends stuff, but something I, I was too spaced out to say at the time. Remember back <laughs> when we had that, um, you know, the fan poll before when they did the two packs, like with Valkyrie and Hulk and that sort of stuff, Yeah, and we saw yep. all these other figures, wasn't the Madrox in that figure the modern version? It, didn't they have a, a modern Madrox in that? I'm sure they did. They they did. I don't know if it was the same one or not. They have been. It wasn't this one. It was the going. Yeah. 
it, it was not sort this of the green costume. And, it was yeah, it was I, I think it was the green sort of the circle line. Yeah, um, drop ones, but yes, there was one that just never came out. I think there's a list somewhere of like. 30 different Marvel Legends they've shown like in actual prototype form over the years, but have never actually been released and a lot are from that time period. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, it was actually, I've just found a picture of it and it was his very, very modern costume. So it's the one where he had um, the black pants, the green shirt with the, um, the the six green circles, lighter green circles, and then the trench coat over the top. And he's got quite wispy hair in this one. So it's the the very, very modern version. So, yes, that was shown back when we saw Nuke, um, Baghead Spidey, Nuke. and others. Yeah. Nuke, who we ended up getting. Yeah. Was it that figure, though? The one that they. It wouldn't have been because Nuke was on the much bigger, newer buck. Yeah. Well, I mean, it looks like it's the original Crossbones. So, huh, okay. There you go. They've changed the head sculpt significantly since then. But, I mean, this also, there was a white phoenix that actually had a, um, a head sculpt that we never received either. So, you know, there's a bunch of stuff around that, that never got used. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, there were so many. I remember that fan poll really vividly because there were so many cool figures there, most of which we didn't get. Um, and oh, then the, Valky- the Valkyrie scam. that we got was a – the Valkyrie we got was a poor, terrible imitation of the one that they – showed in the fan yeah. pool. Um, I, and- I, I did, I, every time we used to have one of these, you know, you'd see the overwhelming support for two or three characters and then they bring out Hulk. And it's like, crap, <laughs> absolute crap. I will dispute this until my dying day that somebody chose a Hulk figure over the Silver Samurai. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, the Hulk that you're like, really? The, um, the one I was always disappointed about is towards the end of Toy Biz, they previewed a Throg. And I was so excited for that. And the fact that that still has not happened is devastating. He's not even a figure. He's just an accessory. Like, just tool him up and put him in somewhere. Yeah, look, I said that about the X-Babies. You know, I always wanted those. But I I think my biggest disappointment is um, when they had that wave, the villains wave, where we ended up getting, you know, Onslaught. We were meant to get pack-in Henchman, and there was actually a, a like a you know a traditional Jack Kirby Doombot who never got released, which was really annoying. So yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Boo. Boo. All right, guys. Uh, well, unless you have any other news to report through, how about we jump off to our first toy of the week? Great. If your collecting addiction is a hard itch to scratch, then you might like a bit of insurance that you always have some new goodies on the horizon. Loot Crate is the world's favorite subscription box service, and they're currently offering AFB listeners 10% off any of their flexible subscription plans. Every Loot Crate includes exclusive apparel and collectible items built around a theme, and there are so many theme crates to choose from, whether you're into a more general pop culture or gaming theme, or you have a more specific interest. To save 10% on any new subscription, go to trylootcrate.com forward slash AFBlues and enter the promo code BREACH10. If you do sign up and you love your loot, be sure to go to the AFB Facebook page and post a pic of your new gear. That's trylootcrate.com forward slash AFBlues with the promo code BREACH10. Now it's time for one of our feature segments, 
Toy of the Week. Each episode, we take a look at one toy or collectible in detail. These might be new releases, or we might talk about a favorite or bizarre item in their collection. So this week, Scotty has Toy of the Week. So over to you, Scott. Thank you very much. I um, jumped into this episode uh, because I wanted to highlight um, something that I received recently. Um, not not necessarily as much just because I love the piece, but because I'm really excited by um, what the company is doing. And uh, this is Diamond Select. This is um, part of their Marvel Gallery uh, PVC um, statue and diorama series. And I'm reviewing the Jean Grey Phoenix. And I- I'm I think that's really interesting um, what Diamond is doing at the moment with these pieces, and it's just kind of ticking along quietly. Um, but between um, the Marvel license, um, there's a couple of different DC uh, lines that they are doing as well. Um, they're actually pumping out quite a few of these um, pieces. Um, it's not, It's not a brand new... Um, space for Diamond Select because they've been doing things like the Femme Fatales um, series for quite some time, which is has the you know, same deal kind of, um, you know, 10 inch to 12 inch uh, PVC figures under the $50 US mark. And uh, the, um, but since they rebranded that into the gallery line and they've got the Marvel gallery and then there's also um, some DC stuff happening as well. I think it's a really interesting place to watch because one of the things that um, we get feedback about, and we've got some at the end of the show is people who, you know, have uh, started getting interested in some higher end pieces because they listen to the stuff that we collect and the crazy things that um, we buy sometimes. And I think that this is a really interesting space where you can have some of that without the price tag. Um, you know, Kotobukiya has been in this space as well, but when you get to this scale, um, so Phoenix that I'm going to talk about tonight is a 10 inch, um, tall figure. When you get to this scale with Kotobukiya, you're really in a different price point with their Bishojo stuff. Um, but you know, this is under 50 bucks. Um, US, um, well under 100 Australian, depending as long as you find it in the right place. And so I want to just kind of say a hats off to Diamond for um, playing in this space and giving people some budget friendly things to um, uh, enjoy. So um, this is a 2017 release and acquisition. And this is um, sculpted by Alejandro Alejandro Pereira, who's been doing the female characters in um, this line. I've previously reviewed uh, Jewel, and I also have the um, Captain Marvel piece, which I don't think I reviewed, but is part of this line as well. And the re- the way that I got into this was that these basically scale with the Kotobukiya Bishoujo pieces, um, and so that you know they are uh, kind of sit quite nicely alongside those to fill in characters that either haven't been done or I don't have in the Bishoujo line. Um, th- this is super fun, the the Phoenix piece. Um, there's actually a GameStop um, exclusive version, Dark Phoenix version of the one that I'm reviewing, um, which is out here at Zing as well, um, because I think um, EB tends to get the um, GameStop stuff. I don't know if they're the same company or that's just the jam. Any insights there, boys? No, they seem to get GameStop exclusives for a little bit there, and now it 
they haven't really gotten much in that way. So uh, I'm not too sure what's the actual um, behind-the-scenes thing uh, going on there, whether it's just like how some companies can offer exclusives and in North America and then outside markets have the ability to pick them up for their own retail or if there actually is a connection, uh, which I thought there once was. But, yeah, judging by recent ones, uh, not sure. Um, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, I've seen quite a few GameStop stuff um, at EB, um, but I've got the uh, regular version. Um, the uh, the I think that... Um, yeah, I actually when I saw the the Dark Phoenix version, I thought, oh, that's really cool. I like that. But this is the one that I picked up first, and I'm happy with it. And I definitely don't need um, both. And uh, this is all one piece, so it's a PVC piece. It's got a little bit of weight to it, enough um, in the the base of she's kind of you know, resting on a um, Phoenix base, um, and um, the detail for this is really lovely. The um the her hair is enormous. Um, I, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Um, but the um costume is you know super comic accurate, classic uh, Jean Grey Phoenix. Um, one of the things that I've always really loved about the PVC stuff is the way that you can do kind of some of the softer pieces, um, like the um you know parts of her the the longer parts of her belt, etc. Um, that. Um, really uh, just give you some kind of depth and uh, texture to it, um, but don't kind of get in the same scary, breaky place as a polystone piece. You know, you look at those in a polystone piece and go, oh my God, if I breathe on them the wrong way, they're going to snap off. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't want to put these to too much of a pressure test, but there's a bit more flexibility there. And, um, you know, this is this is super fun. Um, the... <laughs> The hair is really, really big, and um, the 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 thing that I would say about it is I feel like there's a little bit of you know artistic license there, um, which to me makes this piece a little bit less um, comic accurate, if that makes sense. It's just kind of a bit like yeah, that's not really um, Jean's hair. <laughs> like I know Phoenix had you know hair happening, but not like this. Um, thoughts. Yeah, in my yeah. sort of remembrance of Jean, she had uh, in sort of the Phoenix bits, her hair would sort of flare out like that, but it wasn't as long, if that makes sense. Like generally, yeah. if it's flaring out, it's just up to the shoulders, but this is coming right down pretty much almost halfway past her butt there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think this is something that just seems to get exaggerated with every iteration of Jean Grey. I mean, when the Sideshow statue came out with her in her Jim Lee outfit, she had that ponytail that was about 28 feet long. Um, <laughs> and it, you know, actually, it looks quite awkward. Um, I also think that this is influenced by the styling of um, Clayburn Moore, who, who sort of, mm -hmm. I think, you know, is the art director for a lot of the stuff that DST is doing in this space. So, you know, despite being sculpted by Alejandro, this has actually got that sort of Clayburn Moore sort of feel, and he's kind of known for that sort of thing. While the hair is not my super-duper favourite, um, this is the prettiest female face I've seen on these. Um, the the Captain Marvel one, while it's a great piece, I, I don't know, she's a bit kind of stern. Um, and Jewel is nice, but 
um, this to me is the most kind of feminine and you know detailed um, face, and the paint is um, really nicely done. Um, I'd, I'd love to know how they do these pieces in terms of you know I, I'm assuming that the pieces are cast in um, the different colors and then put together. Although her belt might be painted, I'm not sure. Um, but even her, the little phoenix insignia um, definitely is a separate sculpted piece, um, and there are a lot of like you know for at this price point you might expect to see more done with just paint. Um, but I think part of this just shows, you know, how digital sculpting um, and then production reduces the overall um, price mm. point of these. Um, it is really interesting, though, when you compare these to the Bishojo pieces, um, that, you know, they're getting close to, like, this one is getting close to the same level of detail as some of the Bishojo pieces for a third of the price. Um, a lot of the Bishojos have um, a lot happening. Like I got the Lady Thor a while ago, which I don't think I ever reviewed here, but yeah, I mean, that's a really amazing piece in terms of just the amount of capage and stuff that's happening. Um, <laughs> capage. You know, I'm adding that to the lexicon. Thank you. Yes. Um, but, you know, look at some, I'm just looking up there right above me at the moment. I'm looking at someone like Spider Woman um, or, or Wasp. Um, you know, it's the same level of detail here um, and uh, a much cheaper price point. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see them competing in that place. Uh, so, you know, some of the stuff that they've been doing, I, I've managed to kind of stay away from trying to go deep into the gallery line because they've, they've done a lovely Iron Man and Doctor Strange. Um, those are two that have I keep looking at and going, no, no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but look, this, this is this is super fun. Um, paint, like I said, is great. And um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go nine out of ten dollars for her. I'm gonna take one point off for the um, the hair volume. Um, but really, this is fun. And like I said, I just wanted to, to share this to really um, point out some different options for people that might listen to some of the stuff that we talk about and go, that sounds awesome, but there's no way I can, you know, afford that or I want to get into that space. And just say, like, you know, you don't have to pay huge bucks for nice things. And this mm, line is mm. definitely worth having a look at. Mm, excellent. Very nice. I have spied a couple uh, in the store, and uh, yes, they are attractive. Yeah, some more than others, like you know, like like anything. Mm, but mm. but um, you know, it's definitely a cherry picker. Um, but uh, it's a nice way, particularly if you are a Bishojo fan, to kind of supplement that. Yes. Collection. Yes. Yeah. And the packaging is a, a real sort of homage to sort of those older toy biz. Uh, Marvel figures of the past. It's got that sort of, you know, bit of a, a retro feel. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Mm. Good fun. Cool. Yeah, very cool. Uh, well, without anything else to add, uh, that pretty much wraps up our Toy of the Week. Uh, when we come back, uh, we will be breaking down some toys. In in a totally no. put-back-togetherable way. Yeah. I love mine. Yeah. Kenner, it's the Star Wars mini action figure collector's case. Action figures sold separately. The collector's case holds 24 Star Wars action figures, like Stormtrooper, R5-D4, and Snaggletooth. It comes with two plastic trays to keep them in. Or you can turn the trays over and display all your figures in action poses. You can pack up Star Wars action figures and take them with you. 
The Star Wars Mini Action Figure Collector's Case. Action figures each sold separately from Kenner. Well, and now it's time for our big feature segment. And uh, in terms of big features, there's probably not one bigger this year than a movie coming out in a couple of weeks, which is Thor Ragnarok. Now, if you'd spoken to a Marvel fan even or 10 years ago, Thor probably wouldn't be on their list of major Marvel characters that were going to be breaking big, but uh, somehow a uh, young Australian from Phillip Island managed to become a huge international star and make Thor a household name. Uh, and it has been wonderful for us fans of the Thor comic. Uh, it does mean that uh, we are seeing more merchandise based on these characters. Uh, but we have also been wonderfully treated in the comic book world of recent to a Thor run by a writer named, by the name of Jason Aaron, who kicked off his run with an artist, uh, Isad Ribic, and... It has been probably one of the best Marvel comic runs of the last 10 years. Uh, I'd be hard-pressed to think of one that started in the last 10 years that would be better uh, than it. And it's just an absolute uh, incredible stellar run. I'm sort of repeating territory here, but that's uh, (laughs) just when you get excited and you really do love something, that's where it falls. And this is definitely where I fall uh, with this comic run. I highly recommend if you consider yourself a Thor fan and have not picked up any of this Jason Aaron stuff, uh, you're doing yourself a disservice. Or if you're just looking for a good uh, modern Marvel book to get started on, this is definitely one to do so. And what happened this year is at San Diego, they were doing yet another large Marvel Legends box set. And because it was kind of the year of Thor, uh, they gave us a Thor box set that draws heavy influence uh, from this run, as well as a couple of other places, and gets us some fan favourites and some characters that are a little more on the obscure end, uh, but (laughs) wonderful acquisitions nonetheless. So, uh, first Hmm. off, Ben, were you excited when this San Diego Thor set was announced? Yeah, just a little. Um, yes, I, I must admit, I, I did sort of quietly cry like a fat kid on free cupcake day. Um, yeah, it, w- it was an interesting one because there's always much speculation around what the the San Diego set is going to be. And, you know, I think the Hasbro team, uh, they, they put in some some pretty good sort of round-the-table time to, to come up with this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, whether we like it or not, Marvel Legends now are heavily inspired by other media. Um, you know, even if we get uh, comic-accurate uh, versions of characters that are heavily featured in other media, um, there's no denying that it, it does kind of drive some of that influence. And so I think some of the early contenders back when we were hypothesising uh, were things like uh, a classic Guardians uh, set, you know, that uh, that features Starhawk and, and, and those guys, given that we've got sort of Vance Astro. Um, I think another one, too, that, that we threw around a bit was a, a New Mutants set. Um, we knew that we were going to get the Gifted uh, TV series. And so, you know, often that sort of stuff can help, um, you know, sway some of these decisions. And so then... When they just decided to throw it out there and do, do a Thor set, I thought, wow, that's that's actually pretty amazing, not just because I'm a huge Thor fan, but because 
um, as you said, it it, it sort of um, pulls heavily on Jason Aaron's run. It's it, obviously they've decided to get some of those classic villains, um, you know, into the set, but they're villains that have actually featured heavily in Jason Aaron's run. And look, I'm a long time Thor fan. Uh, I've been reading Thor for as long as I can remember, and you know, Thor is actually a title that is generally consistently pretty good from marvel even though some of my other favorite characters have had some sort of pretty dire times you know i look back on thor um you know with some pretty fond memories of things like you know obviously walt simonson did his thing but there was a run that a lot of people have forgotten about by um dan jurgens which was mm. actually very very good where um just about you know, to be a, uh, reprinted as well so uh, good. yes yeah. yes a very good series where um, one of the wrecking crew manages to kill Hogan, um, Hogan the Grim, and so Thor turns up in front of the wrecking crew, and they're like, "Oh, you know, Thor's going to give us this big speech about." And of course, before he can finish, you know, his sentence, Thor just wipes the floor with them. Um, and you know, there, there's some some good stuff that came after that from J. Michael Straczynski, and so um, you know, Thor's always been up there as a comic I read first when I pick up my stash, but. Like you said, Jason Aaron is obviously a fan, first and foremost. He's not just a writer, he's a fan. And so he sat down and obviously really thought through what he planned to do on his time. Um, and he gave us something incredibly memorable. And like, you know, you and I, Eddie, you know, we often were, were t- you know, texting on our phones back and forth when we'd uh, read Thor, just kind of like geeking out, you know, on the whole God Bomb and, and the God Butcher storyline. Oh, yeah. Um, Yes, so, so yes, um, that was my very, very long-winded way of saying that uh, I was extremely pleased when I saw yeah. the lineup for this set. <laughs> and I, I should actually feel, um, just to uh, pause for one second, it's going to be very hard to talk about this box set and potentially not spoil uh, certain parts of this Jason Aaron run, so... Uh, if you have heard us gush and think you are going to read this run and want to go in 100% fresh and unspoiled, uh, probably pause now and come back. Uh, we'll try and keep away from the super secret stuff that happens, but there are some <laughs> main things that we just can't talk about this set and not talk about when talking about the figures. So uh, do be warned, there are some potential spoilers that will uh, happen when talking about these figures. Uh, but yeah, it's such a great uh, piece to get. So let's let's dive in here. So uh, the box set is sort of this uh, Pentagon. Pentagon's Firesides, yes. isn't it? Sort of a Pentagon box with some... Absolutely gorgeous artwork on here. Who I mm. don't know who the artist is. Unfortunately, I haven't seen a credit. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I, I kind of feel like I know who it is, but then I can't sort of confirm who it is. So um, it's certainly very nice, nonetheless. But yeah, it, it, it's an interesting set, isn't it? I mean, it's this this pentagon where you know each uh, side of the the pentagon. Um, you know, it features this beautiful painted artwork of the five figures within, but, you know, it, it expands out. And if you look on the opposite side of the figures, you basically get this very large rectangular piece of art with all five characters in action. And it's all, you know, one single piece of art. Um, they're all sort of battling these kind of um, sort of undead frost giant kind of looking dudes. 
So, yeah, quite quite clever design, I have to say. Now, I do love, I don't know if you know, so I've only just noticed this now, but right under the title of Mighty Thor, uh, and it's got a uh, warning about ages three and up choking, so there's a little bit of text at the bottom that says, <laughs> fantasy scene, in case you couldn't work out that the people in medieval armor fighting the uh, hordes of White Walkers are a fantasy. That's uh, mm. that, that summed up for you there. <laughs> What I actually also thought was really interesting about the packaging art is it actually shows the five of them in action against these kind of undead things, um, but they're all kind of fighting side by side as allies when, you know, two of them in particular are notorious Thor villains. So that was a, an interesting choice that they aren't fighting each other, but they are actually fighting these things instead. So that was a, yeah, I don't know, a bit of a peculiar choice. I mean, you know, I'll live with it, but yeah, yeah odd. Now, it is does have a slip cover on that if you slide off, uh, you do have the artwork once again uh, that has a little bit of uh, sort of not quite poetry, but old um, mm. language description of the characters. And it's almost that sort of four line that would be printed on the hammer itself in the words of Odin about each uh, one yeah. of them, which is kind of neat. And even the top of the boxes have this very Norse uh, wood design in them that represent each of the characters. So, like, Bor has his helmet, Malekith has the half-sun, dark-sun, Thor has the hammer and that type of piece. So, some really nice intricate work design here that you mm. might not notice mm. at first there as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, that Pentagon actually opens up into five little triangles uh, that uh, case the figures inside, uh, and each matches up with their placement on the artwork on the back from that fighting scene. So a uh, very cool box. It would be a bugger to find a good shipping uh, box for it in, uh, though, if you are planning to resell this. <laughs> to anyone it's a uh, very obscure box it seems sometimes i wonder if they make these awkward boxes to help try and deter scalpers at comic Con. yeah <laughs> it really just... is an odd one yeah yeah my, mine came in a box with about uh i think about 600 kilos of scrunched up sort of packing paper sort of filling those peculiar gaps uh, around it between the edges of it and uh, the, the cardboard box just because they were um you know one square and one's a pentagon so yeah, a bit of an odd one. But then again, I mean, you know, the raft wasn't exactly easy to ship either. It was kind of long and narrow. And so, mm. yeah, interesting. Easy done. So let's uh, jump in here and uh, go Ooh. through <laughs> what we've got. So who's the first one? Boar. Hooray! Yeah. Uh, Hooray! Boar, I was trying to work this out. He might have the distinction of being... Uh, the Marvel Legends figure with the least amount of appearances in the comic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he's think, not doing so crash hot. I mean, I think if you, you know. counted flashbacks um, to when they're sort of talking about the old days of um, Norse, and you know, you'd have like a panel or a collage, you might have bought in there. But in terms of him actually featuring in a story. Uh, he really doesn't have that much of a uh, history or piece, but what he does have is important. He is the father of Odin, so he's essentially uh, Thor's grandfather and the creator of the Nine Realms. So, 
Uh, definitely he an is. important part of the Thor mythology, even though he hasn't had a huge story part to play. Uh, featured heavily in the JMS uh, run on Thor and has had a, a couple of little appearances in the Aaron run. Uh, but this guy is a fantastic figure. Yeah, look, I mean, Thor, if you, if you haven't read uh, a lot of Thor, then Thor 600 um, was just uh, one of the best comics I've ever read. Like, it, it's seriously just that good. Um, and, and that's where Bohr really gets his, um, he, you know, his chance to shine. I think, you know, someone finally decided to um, sort of, you know, step it up and give this guy a, a chance to show who he actually is. And through a story where uh, Loki manages to resurrect Bohr for a very short period, um, he clouds his mind and makes Bohr think that Thor is actually a, a demon. Um, and so he sort of goes, uh, battles his grandson. But, of course, Thor is actually getting around with um, some of the Odin force. Um, so he's kind of like Super Thor. Uh, but even when Super Thor goes up against Bohr, um, he kind of gets his ass handed to him and you sort of realise that, you know, Bohr is actually a bit of an ass kicker. And when um, when Thor hurls Mjolnir and Bohr just catches it out of the air, um, you know, it's it's very impressive. And so, yes, but look, I remember I was actually thinking about this the other day because I thought, hang on, you know, Bohr, he came out of nowhere uh, in terms of Marvel Legends. But I thought, no, he was actually part of uh, the Marvel Legends fan vote back in 2015, mm. if you recall. He was, um, he was in a fan vote, which was won by Angela, I think, and I think she edged out Dark Hawk. But I was actually doing a bit of a think back, and most of the figures that were actually in that fan vote got, ended up getting made anyway, like um, the Sam Alexander Nova, um, Lady Sif, the symbiote Spider-Man, uh, obviously, you know, Angela, um, etc. But, um, yeah, Boar was actually one of those. Well, and so. the other piece that uh, sort of puts him in the slight level of prominence too is he was actually uh, featured in Thor The Dark World. There is an he actor was. playing him and he has a costume very reminiscent to this. So whether at some point, because that movie actually never had Marvel Legends tie-in, um, mm. it's one of the few Marvel films that didn't really have that much merchandise. So whether he was planned back then potentially yeah, and that's how yeah. he appeared on the fan vote because parts of it were already done or there were already you know sort of some plans underway and then that sort of yeah. eventually rolled into this so i, I kind of wonder but um either yeah. way i'm just glad to he's not one that would have been on any list that i probably would have written up but once you put him in front of me it's oh. like oh yes i want that i Oh, look, I was over the moon because Thor 600 is just so good. But, you know, what I love about this figure um, is, you know, the Thor 600 costume that he's wearing was designed by Olivier Coipel. Uh, and this Marvel Legends figure, the, the, it is basically sculpted exactly like um, that appearance in Thor 600. I was actually comparing it to some of Coipel's art, and they've used that as uh, a reference. And it's exact. You know, they mm. haven't sort of um, cut any corners. They have replicated it perfectly. And for those who don't know, the Koipel is the man who added chainmail to the Thor costume. Uh, so if you have that original Thor, when uh, Hasbro went back to Marvel Legends uh, with that sort of very chainmail look to it, these guys go perfectly together. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's what blew, blew me away when I sort of, um, I mean, obviously you see the promo pics and stuff like that, but it's not until you get these guys in hand that you realise, you know, just how impressive uh, he is and, and, you know, Bor Burison, Bor son of Bury, um, you know, he, he's obviously Odin's dad. Odin um, is a pretty kick-ass dude because he, he absorbed all that power that was given to him by others to defeat Surtur. Um, and so, you know, he, he hung on to that power and, um, that's where Thor, uh, that's where Odin gets a lot of his power. But, you know, um, they needed to make sure that Bor, um, could stand his ground. And, and the Odin builder figure is a, a big figure. And, and so is that SDCC Thor. And so, you know, getting this guy in hand, he's a big dude. Yeah. Now, in the sculpt, I, um, didn't really get a chance to compare him. Is he the Terex? build or is he i honestly think unless because the 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 sort of the plate type um or i guess the you know what would you call it it's kind of like scale armor um you know unless that's sitting over an existing buck um it it all looks new to me Mm. like he he's got some seriously long legs going on here um you know what's interesting is they are making really good use of this ability to um, sculpt the add-on bits and put it over the top of existing. So, you know, those arms we've seen before, but, you know, they've managed to just sculpt um, those bracelets around his wrist uh, and just pop those over the top. So they do get a bit frustrating that they move around, but, you know, it's a, it's a really good way to, to do re- reuse. But there's so much of this figure is brand spanking new. I mean, that's uh, an entirely new head sculpt, um, the axe, the shield, the, the upper armor, um, you know, those boots uh, are really quite impressive. It's, you know, he's a he's a big, big character. Yeah, it's that, he, he, on the off chance, if it is a reuse, it's done so beautifully, it doesn't even matter. I, I cannot tell, and that's a great uh, compliment to give um, if it is a reuse or if it's brand new sculpt. I'm yeah. very impressed. I mean, look, we're possibly looking at, like, Sandman legs, um, you know, underneath mm. here. Um, but you know, really, there's so much new stuff going on. It's it's hard to tell. Mm, I I'd be hard. The only thing that even comes close to a fault for me is um, the elbow joints seem a little um, more older Hasbro Marvel Legends and don't have yeah. as much movement in them. But that's about as close to a fault as I can come, and that's almost nothing really in the grand scheme. <laughs> Yeah, I think you know. For me, there's a few things like the the armor that's over the top of the torso. It feels like it's an extra piece that they've put over uh, an existing torso. And so, what you do is you get that extra bulk, particularly under the arms. And so, he's got his arms set out quite wide, but you can't actually bring his arms in close to to his sides because that armor actually gets in the way because um, it's, you know, just sitting over the top of that torso underneath. So um, he's, you know, most definitely a space hog because uh, he's got those really broad arms sticking out, plus the shield, plus the axe that he comes with. Um, the, the big disappointment for me was the shield. Um, it's a bit of a, a bit of a cheapy, and, you know, mine's actually warped. It doesn't have that sort of nice round feel. You know, I might actually pop it in some hot water and see if it um, straightens itself up. But, um, look, I'm, I'm really taken with that head, head sculpt. I don't know about you, but when I look at the eyes and, and that face, I kind of get a, a very um, Clancy Brown kind of feel from it. Yeah, no, I, I can didn't think of it, but once you said it, that's, <laughs> that's actually a, that's all I'm going to be hearing now when I think of 
Or <laughs> speaking, yeah. but I do love um, they've got that wonderful sort of metallic eye going on again, and there's yeah. sort of this purple, um, almost. I don't. I don't want to say eyeshadow because that might conjure kind mm. of some bad mm. paintwork, and it's not bad at all. But there is some almost purple highlighting going around his eyes just to yeah. make them look a bit more sunken in the helmet and really gives him this old battle-worn look that's really great. Yeah, definitely. There's some nice highlights there. I mean, the the highlights on the beard, I think mine was painted a, a sort of a bright red first and then they've sort of taken a darker red and, and washed it over the top. Um, they haven't done as good a job as they probably could around the mouth, but there's certainly some nice sort of dry brushing on the arm or even the horns on the helmet. Um, but then, you know, there's other elements like the, the shield has been painted silver and it's just been left one colour. So, yeah, I mean, look, you know, there's a lot of new pieces here. And, and I mean, you and I were talking about this the other day, saying that, um, you know, I'm really hoping that, that these new pieces give us um, that opportunity for reuse. And, you know, I can I can see some of these elements, like even just the boots and, and the um, bracelets and type stuff being reused to do like a Heimdall uh, or something like that. Well, even looking at uh, his helmet, it looks like the head... And horns are kind of separate pieces glued in there. So that could yes. easily be a new face and then a couple of new bits in there. And that's Heimdall there, really, in comic book. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, no, that'd be actually really good. I mean, I, I feel like for a long time, you know, we had Thor, we had Loki, and I didn't think we are even going to get an Odin. But, um, you know, now we've we've got Sif uh, on the way in the box set, who, who was another one of the fan votes. Um, you know, and, and now we've got Boar who, you know, while not a major character, it's certainly nice to sort of add to that, that ever growing kind of Asgardian lineup. Hmm. Uh, okay. So on to the next character who we have on the list here as Lady Thor. Now, I, once again, uh, we talked about spoilers. Uh, so <laughs> Lady Thor, uh, is going to be hard to talk about without referring to the fact that she is actually Jane Foster, um, yes. and has been a key part of the Jason Aaron run where Thor actually became, well, Thor, the son of Odin, became unworthy to hold the hammer after he had self doubt from, uh, Nick Fury, Fury. whispering. Uh, something in his ear and he was unable to lift the hammer after that point but Jane Foster was and she became uh, Lady Thor or really just Thor is what she's called uh, in the book <laughs> and all the title the moniker of Lady Thor it was used just to distinguish her uh, from uh, the other Thors in the book but uh, her character was kept secret for a while in the title of who was actually under the mask it was a mystery so her helmet is actually a full mask piece uh and uh this has probably been one of the uh most requested figures in terms of recent characters uh coming out she appeared in a lot of uh fan polls and requests and was uh, definitely a figure high on my want list. And it was one of those ones where it's like, I'm sure this is just a matter of time. They're going to get around uh, to doing <laughs> her. She's uh, such a big part of the current Marvel Universe and uh, very glad that they had. And I do think it was a good choice not to make her just a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive, mm. but she's also uh, part of the Ragnarok uh, set. But um, 
getting her in hand, I was actually very impressed once again. So we have some nice sculpting work. It looks like a lot of new pieces yeah, in here. Like you've got me. the bandaged I, I, legs, the gauntlet hand. Yeah. And yes. then, <laughs> then um, sort of those extra, like she's got a belt piece with a uh, bit of a half skirt that uh, goes over the waist and a new cape piece here and uh just some really great paintwork going on uh as well yeah this one sort of threw me as well because i really you know expect hasbro to do a lot of um reuse and you know after looking at boar in so much detail i then started looking at jane foster here and i thought wow i can't really see you know a lot going on and obviously that right arm could be you know just the standard sort of female buck same with the the hips and the thighs but definitely the from the knees down, we've actually got those wrapped um, uh, sort of legs and, you know, things like Sif reuses a lot of the pieces from Angela. Like they have the same thing from the, the hips down. They, they have the same boots. They're just painted different colours. So I was kind of looking closely and I, I thought those sort of, um, uh, I mean, what are they? They're just kind of strapped, um, you know, like leather straps. Um, and that's an entirely new piece. But then that left forearm, too, has the, the van brace on it, you know, that armour piece, and that's new. And I guess even to a certain extent, that upper torso, which is the, um, you know, the the chest piece, um, you know, that's actually quite interesting. There's there's a lot more on here than I than I expected. Yeah, and that's one of those ones, like, they probably could have gotten away with just painting the V lines on that and her little gold symbol. Um, but mm. they have gone with a brand new sculpt for it, and it does add that sort of extra depth to the character, which is fantastic. And I was actually really surprised by the amount of paintwork on this. Like, her hair has multiple washes uh, on it to really sort of bring that out. Um, there's sort of a lot of different browns going on on the leathers to help sort of add some character there. Um, just little touches like that that can really make a figure pop. I mean, I think she's got two different shades of red going on her lips. Yeah. Just, yeah. They've captured a couple of really nice things too, and that is that when you look through uh, the eyes of the helmet, or also the, no, I guess the eye slots in the helmet, um, you don't actually see human eyes. She's actually been portrayed in the comics as, you know, the, the eye slits are black with these kind of like blue dots in the middle. And uh, I think they've actually replicated that action, you know, really, really well. Um, the only thing that really frustrates me about this figure is the bloody cape. You know, I feel like this they, they use that mechanism where there's a peg in the middle of the cape and it, it sort of plugs into the back and therefore it kind of just sits on the shoulders. But uh, every time I sort of pick her up and bump the cape, it just comes undone and I'm having to sort of tilt her head forward so I can plug that cape back into the, you know, the back. But it is a really nice length and it actually helps her stand up. So, you know, a lot of these females can be quite spindly, um, but that cape touches the ground at the back. So it's a really nice kind of anchor to get her to stand up properly. But, um, hey, let's talk about that hammer. Yeah, I actually really like this hammer. So this is one of the big differences between her and the retail release. Uh, and that is that it's a clear sort of see-through hammer with a very sort of lightning blue uh, sparkle effect, uh, I think, plastic. Yeah, it's got a little bit of sparkles in there. Mm. Um, a slight bit of grey down the middle to give it the effect that it's um, becoming, uh, I guess, 
lightning-y, thundery. I don't know what the yeah. word would be yeah. there, but uh, <laughs> it's slightly smaller than the traditional Thor hammer we've gotten before, I believe, but there's a lot of uh, detailing going on in it, particularly at the top. You've got sort of the runes going around um, the sort of top circle there and uh, different sort of etchings on the side. So I'm actually really impressed uh, with what they've done here with the hammer. Yeah, no, it actually looks great. It's a, a nice update. I mean, uh, you know, Hasbro are notorious for flogging those same, um, you know, accessories over and over again. Like I think, you know, Captain America's shield is only probably two different ones. Um, and then every character that comes with a shield just gets that same one recycled over and over again. So, you know, I feel like this is a really nice update um, to the sort of Mjolnir sort of sculpt with those, that extra stuff. But uh, it's obviously something that's been done for one of the movie figures because it's got that sort of extra runes and stuff in it, which, you know, Mjolnir doesn't sort of have in the comics. But uh, it actually works really well with with her. But um, so you know, is there anything else different between this figure and the Ragnarok series one? Obviously, the hammer's different and the paint, app, the, paint apps. There is, I believe, I'm not 100 percent sure on what it is. There is something with the yeah, the lining of the paint apps. I believe on mm-hmm. sort of the half skirt or um, whether the chest piece has that little gold. Um, bit painted oh, okay. uh, in okay. the bottom, but I believe it's just paint and um, the plastic uh, blue of the hammer is the, uh, uh, there's not like a huge different head sculpt or anything like that um, yeah. with it. Yeah. Uh, it's good to see some some female love in the in the sort of the Asgardian line. I mean, we've, we've had Hela and uh, the Enchantress and of course Sif um, and, and now Lady Thor is, uh, yeah, a, a nice addition. And I'm going to sort of um, definitely going to put her in uh, my collection, even though Thor's already uh, got a place. I think she's uh, pretty worthy because, you know, honestly, if you're not reading the, the Jason Aaron Thor run where this character was introduced, um, you know, I, I know it comes at an unfortunate time where, you know, there's uh, a new version of the Hulk, a new version of Spider-Man, a new version of... Um, you know, Miss Marvel, a new version of pretty much everybody. And, and so, you know, Thor got the treatment as well. But she's actually a really worthy addition to um, sort of Marvel canon. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's a uh, good reason uh, why she seems to stick out more than the others in that case, uh, which we'll come to with uh, a, another figure a little later on. But in between that, we have uh, Malekith. Uh, who actually really shocked me um, because he was a figure I was very much excited for. He's a uh, great villain uh, who uh, was kind of on that list of I'm not too sure if we'll ever see him uh, as a Marvel legend. Uh, True. Considering his best chance probably would have been when the Dark World came out and there were no legends based on that film and... Unfortunately, as great as it is to see a lot of these comic book films happening and things coming up onto the screen, one thing that does disappoint me is if a character is, say, not represented too well on the screen, uh, a lot of people, that becomes their knowledge and representation of the character, and that's kind of it and done, and the version of Malekith on Thor The Dark World isn't really... The Malekith that uh, <laughs> comic fans sort of think of and know, and this figure definitely is uh, that design. So I feel like a lot of casual fans 
weren't excited uh, by this guy being in the set, but uh, if you're a Thor fan, you definitely know this guy belongs here, but uh, actually getting him out and seeing how much detail is in this guy and how impressive they were for what was essentially a simple design, um, I, I was very shocked uh, at how better he is in hand than any promo pictures. Yeah, absolutely. This guy was actually on uh, my list of to-do customs, um, you know, maintain a, a spreadsheet that's got about sort of, you know, two dozen characters, and Malekith was actually quite high because um, once you kind of get outside, you know, those obvious four villains, um, you know, like Loki and, and the Enchantress and the Executioner, you know, Malekith, I think, holds his place as a pretty good villain. And, um, you know, as you said right at the beginning, he's obviously earned his place in this line because he's featured very, very heavily um, in Jason Aaron's run to the point where, you know, he is actually the sort of the orchestrator of much of the misery that's going on at the moment. Um, and the reason why I never got around to customizing him, um, you know, it's right here in front of me. It's those, uh, those, those crazy, um, you know, stars slash, you know, whatever they are with those really sharp edges. There's some serious detail going on with this guy. Yeah, just uh, all those little pieces of his costume, even that sort of belt with the uh, uh, kind of th- almost nuclear symbol would probably be the closest you compare it to, then sort of that second belt (laughs) hanging there. Um, I was really impressed with his hair. He has sort of this dirty white hair that's glorious, isn't it? Beautiful sort of thick (laughs) rubber plastic, but has little strands coming off it constantly, but there's an ear poking out on the side that still comes to a nice tip, but you're still getting all the depth that isn't like it's a sort of painted piece of plastic in there. And then you've got his sort of two-face um paint going on Mm. there that seems to be really well done but you can see gums in his teeth and even his teeth look like they might have a little bit of a darker wash over them to help give them depth but then a beautiful sort of pearl white shine in his eyes that make them really stand out even though the hair sort of adds a shadow it's just oh it's really some glorious work done here there is, and there's not a lot of highlighting going on. So, you know, that, that skirt he's got, um, I forget the name of it, it's kind of like pleated, it's got the individual straps hanging down. You know, they're they're made up of black and red and there's no wash on them. And then his alternating boots, you know, black with a red stripe, red with a black stripe. Again, there's no highlighting going on. But um, there's so much detail on his costume that I, I kind of don't really notice that there isn't any highlighting. You've got these nice contrasting colours. I think, you know, what's really fun about sort of talking about these figures as, as they come out is I know a lot of these, you know, elements are going to get reused uh, on other figures, but I feel like, you know, this is the first time that we're talking about them, so it's uh, it's really, you know, great fun um, to have these conversations. I, I think probably the main thing, the main issue I have um, with this figure is the buck choice. Now, you know, he looks good standing here in front of me he's a he's a good looking figure he stands well he looks menacing um but he is a dark elf and they are sort of notoriously kind of spindly um whereas here he's he's looking pretty jacked i've got to say he's he's a solid individual well i think (laughs) this is the new captain america buck if i'm not mistaken um but i do like they've given so he's uh 
sort of collar has these branches coming out that go over the shoulder pauldrons, which make it look like he's wearing sort of this shirted armor piece. And then you've got the pleated skirt, as you said, like not as well done as on um, Borb, but there are elements here that do sort of hide the buck a little bit. Yeah, and, and I'm looking at some of those pieces, you know, like the shoulder armor pieces, which have been cleverly added on, um, you know, as part of his necklace. You know, it's uh, it's obviously a piece that sits over the top of the buck. Like I think if you popped his head off, um, that kind of necklace collar and armor, uh, shoulder armor would actually come off. Um, and you know, and there's obviously the bracelets that are um, on his his forearms. You know, actually part of those forearms, which could be reused on other figures. Um, but, you know, I can see some nice elements here that can actually, again, probably contribute, hopefully, to more Asgardians. But um, the one thing that's actually quite cool is he comes with a, a really, really wicked-looking sword, which I, I just don't see any ability to reuse. So, you know, it's kind of nice that they have decided to sort of fork out, um, you know, and, and do a couple of really unique items, which, you know, are probably unlikely to, to garner much reuse. Yeah, it looks kind of like a nasty, almost filleting knife that's been... It's pretty wicked, yeah. <laughs> Shut up there, there. but um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I really like this sword. You can just get some great, uh, as you said, wicked poses out of him, sort of slinging it over his shoulder, or um, yeah. even he's got one of his palms is sculpted open. You can even have him holding the blade, uh, sort of running through his fingers, like just really... Yeah, now that... That left hand, is that a Black Panther hand? That's sort of it's a, an open clawed hand, and uh, I think it actually works really, really well on this figure. It's got that sort of very menacing feel to it. It could be, and because looking at the top of the hand, it almost does look like there's a bit of wrinkled design, as if it was a glove mm. or something. So you could be on the right track. Yeah, it's just nice that it's not just a fist. You know, mm. more often than not, we had two choices, a fist or a hand that holds a weapon, um, you know, possibly trigger finger and all. So, it, you know, it's it's nice that they're building up a bit of a library uh, of options that they can give because I think that, that open sort of clawed hand um, is a really perfect choice because Malekith, you know, much like Loki, is, is very devious in how he does things. Um, only Malekith is uh, a lot more aggressive than Loki is and... and yeah, we know we'll uh, we'll talk about why uh, Malekith is uh, what he can do with that sword. But um, look, I, I'm as a Thor fan, you know, I'm really quite chuffed. Um, the the idea that we're really starting to dig into the Thor lore and get people like you know Hela, the Enchantress, um, Malekith um, is actually really nice because uh, you know I took it upon myself to do a Mangog custom so um you know these guys will all be uh be going in with my my mangog and uh, and other villains so yeah and i just love that face sculpt i think it's great uh, i actually wonder whether you know you look at this face sculpt and it looks quite sinister but i think whether a few licks of paint here or there you know I, we could potentially be looking at a, a new nightcrawler yeah it's very true very true mm. Uh, so let's jump over to Odin's son, uh, which is, uh, the Thor that is the son of Odin, the, the classic Thor. Uh, but this is him in his unworthy state. So he's 
lost the ability to lift the hammer, and things haven't exactly been working out for him. He's basically no longer the <laughs> Prince of Asgard, and uh, once again, big spoilers for the Jason Aaron run. Uh, he had his hand, uh, well, not just hand, but arm cut off by Malekith, uh, and he's had to replace it uh, with a... Uh, now. At one point, it was part of the destroyer armor, and at another yes. point, it's sort of a forged arm by um, the elves of Nodelheim. But um, yeah, that's uh, what he's carrying around with him here, as well as a bit of a uh, tattered cape, and uh, he's grown a bit of a Chris Hemsworth beard. <laughs> going on uh, there as well. So uh, I really like this take on the character. It was a uh, very interesting development uh, story-wise. Um, yeah. Uh, for And I actually think part of me, this is why Jason Aaron's run on Thor worked when there was a lot of characters that have new versions of the character coming in at Marvel. Uh, it seemed to be a thing they were very big on uh, this last sort of five years. But one thing that made this Thor run, at least for me, stand out is that uh, Thor never disappeared from the book. He was still yes. around constantly in this state, um, going on his own journey. So while you had Jane Foster taking on the actual mantle of Thor and doing more of the superheroic stuff, uh, you were yeah. still getting a lot of character development from uh, Thor Odinson, uh, which uh, definitely helped um, sort of really keep the book feeling like it was. Uh, a yeah. continuation of this uh, larger ongoing uh, story, which was uh, very good. And he also starts carrying around not necessarily a new weapon, uh, but his older weapon from when he was younger before he had Mjolnir. Now, I'm terrible <laughs> with pronunciation, and in pre-discussion, you did it better, Ben, so I'll let you uh, tell people the name of this axe. Yeah, it's actually really funny. It's one of those words that you recognize, you know, over and over and, you, you know, you pronounce it your own way when you're reading the comic. But, you know, when it comes time to talk about it, it's like, oh, how do you actually say that? I mean, you know, I, I grew up um, reading about the adventures of Namor the Submariner. Um, and so, you know, uh, and it's the same with, um, you know, as a kid, Thor was always carrying around Majolna. Um, so yeah, I think Yarnborn is, is the way I pronounce it. And, uh, yeah, like you said, um, you know, in Jason Aaron's run, he, he has this great, um, uh, idea of featuring stories that, um, relate to, to Thor through three different periods. One when he's, uh, you know, takes place about a thousand years ago when the Vikings were, were doing their thing and, you know, the Vikings would actually say a prayer to, to Thor to, to help them in battle. But of course, Thor would actually hear the prayer and go, Hey, I've got nothing else to do. And so he'd actually suddenly turn up and actually, you know, and fight alongside the Vikings with this, this bloody great ax. Um, and then of course we had the, the present day Thor. And then there was the future Thor where Odin is long gone. Thor has taken over as the Lord of Asgard. Um, almost everybody has disappeared and, and through just sheer will, um, you know, he's kicking around as this, this geezer, um, and so, yeah, this this is a really interesting take that, that you know, Thor is actually still getting around in the Marvel Universe. He's still powerful. He's just not um, worthy enough to wield Mjolnir anymore. And uh, you know, for a long time, I mean, I think they've kind of moved on now, but, um, you know, 
once Thor sort of started to make um, his appearances in the Marvel Universe, they made it very clear that Thor couldn't fly. The only reason he got from point A to point B is that he would, would hurl his hammer where he wanted to go. And, and then, of course, he'd just hang on for dear life and this, this hammer would fling away. So now that he doesn't have Mjolnir, he can't fly anymore. And so um, he actually gets around on one of his goats, um, this, this giant aggressive goat called Toothnasher. Um, and uh, he normally has two of those that pull a chariot, but he's just taken it upon himself to just ride around on this giant goat. So um, there's even a sequence where he's fighting alongside Bitter Ray Bill, um, and, you know, in the background, you know, Tooth Nashes, like, you know, ramming, um, you know, these villains. So, you know, it, it's, it's really fun stuff, and, and to see them go to this level um, of effort to sort of immortalise, um, you know, Thor now. Eddie, this guy is different from the one in the Thor Ragnarok series, isn't he? Yes, he is. So the one in the Thor Ragnarok series, as you mentioned uh, just briefly ago, uh, Jason Aaron's run features multiple time errors of Thor, particularly in the first arc. So you had a young Thor, a modern day Thor, and uh, the future Thor. Uh, So in that first story arc, uh, we have already seen figures from uh, the very first wave uh, of that sort of... um, not sorry, the first wave, but um, the wave with the Odin builder figure. Uh, you also had alternate heads and arm to do the King Thor, which was the future Thor, where he had the cutoff arm uh, and came with uh, Yolborn. Yarnborn, Yarnborn. Yeah. Um And uh, there was also the modern day Thor, which was uh, the Thor Marvel Legends figure where he sort of had the French legionnaire's back of his uh, feathered cap and uh, had sort of the non-chain mail arms. Uh, but the Thor in the Ragnarok is the young Thor. So that's yes. uh, Thor from a thousand years uh, back. Whereas uh, this is more the modern day one, but it does seem that people are confusing the two a little bit, but they are similar. He is kind of a uh, more slightly more bare chested uh, here than the other one, but uh, long sort of flowing hair, no helmet, uh, mm. not carrying a uh, hammer, but carrying uh, yarnborn. Uh, now this one, I, I am, I'll be honest, I have mixed feelings and it depends on where you catch me on this figure um because i as we've waxed on for about 10 minutes about the character more than the actual figure um obviously we we are really enjoying this take on the character so uh we we do want it to be good and i think most of this figure is actually good it seems like it's a new uh even more burly chested uh muscular buck uh, yeah. that's been released for these two guys. But one thing that sort of lets me down here is the face sculpt. Uh, I do think he has a little bit of a five head, so a <laughs> uh, forehead that's just a slight bit too big. And there is something going on with his fringe that really doesn't help mm. um, that extra bit. It, it either should come forward a little bit, maybe, or sit a little bit lower. And there is something that's also not quite right with his beard colour matching his hair um, that just stands out a little bit to me. I can almost see what they were going for, um, but yeah. there, there is, like, like, he almost does feel like a bit of a 
rocker that's dyed his hair or dyed his beard or something. It's not quite matching the way um, I would like it to. That said, other pieces on this figure I do really like uh, for the most part. And I actually think like from behind, he looks really cool. Uh, (laughs) That actually really works for me because the hair does actually have some nice washing once again uh, on it and these strands coming off it that uh, work really nice. Uh, But then the other thing that does let me down a little bit is his uh, cut-off hand where you've got sort of the uh, forged armor hand. Uh, It's great on the bottom half, but then as you get to the upper part, it is just a painted bicep, and then there's sort of an armband that's put there uh, to create a bit of a metal piece that does tend to move a little bit uh, when I am moving his hand around. Uh, so that really sorry this is just that really annoying thing that I think really became obvious with the Jim Lee Cyclops this this need to sort of um, you know uh, d- define features of a costume without creating whole new sculpts so we'll take an existing arm and, and just put a you know an extra piece like a band around it and that'll create the effect the effect that we need and it'll be cheaper. But instead, what you end up with figures with all these little movable straps and stuff that are constantly, you know, I mean, I I keep hearing about people getting these and gluing them down because they get so frustrated. Yeah, and I I can definitely understand. Now, luckily, mine actually does sit fairly tight. I I do seem to need to apply pressure to get it to move, but it does still wobble a little bit uh, as I'm moving it through, which isn't uh, great. Um, so yeah, I am a bit mixed on him. I do tend to find I am drawn to him. I do pick him up a lot and pose him a lot and, uh, I want him to be great, but I do think (laughs) they did slightly miss the mark on, uh, particularly the head sculpt, uh, here, but, uh, for the most part, still a, a fairly good, uh, figure, but probably the weakest one of the lot for me at the same time. Yeah. I wonder if the the five heads thing that you mentioned is reminiscent of this this new thing that Hasbro is doing, where they're sculpting the heads and the hair separately. So you've got that that ability to mix and match, and I think it works really well for the females, where you can take you know the, the four or five faces, the four or five hair sculpts, and and obviously you know mix and match for whatever you need. Um, and, and so possibly, you know, we've got this this issue where they've tried to, to glue their hair down and then realised it hasn't quite um, worked as well as they thought. And, you know, the prototype worked well, but then now that they've actually got it and they're gluing this, this hair down, it hasn't quite mm. come off the way that they thought it would. Um, because, you know, I can see that that head with the with the hair removed being a really sort of nifty bearded face for for you know using for other characters so yeah just i don't know i mean it's a pretty in the scheme of things that the costume is a bit lame i mean i know thor's getting around feeling sorry for himself but he's he's kind of like he's got no shirt his pants are held up with a piece of rope he's got this like tattered tattered cape that no one has taken a chance to go like you know he's a proper one mate um that episode of the simpsons where homer and marge separated and Homer's basically <laughs> living in the treehouse for three days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the other thing that amused me to no end about this figure is the chest hair. Um, you know, there's been a lot of gripe over the years with Wolverine figures and in the, that nobody sort of um, makes the effort to make him look hairy because he's, you know, that hairy little Canadian. And so Wolverine's forearms and, and upper arms should be covered in, in hair and little spots. But 
um, they've actually, you know, for for figures that don't normally have nipples, you know, they've actually gone out of their way to to apply chest hair to this guy, and uh, it's it's a really sort of awkward thing to sort of look at and go, you know, this action figure actually has chest hair. Um, and I can just imagine the, the poor person that had to apply this, you know, just sitting there all day applying um, chest hair to a figure. And it's like, how was your day, dear? It's like, you kill me now. Yeah. <laughs> just... <laughs> so, hmm. yeah. But overall, look, you know, I think um, it, it's nice that they were able to bring us both this and Young Thor. Um, I'm actually really keen to, you know, I mean, I've got my traditional Marvel Legends uh, Thor figure from um, Wave 2. On my shelf, I just I love that Kirby costume, but you know it'll be fun to actually uh, have a separate sort of shelf that has uh, Young Thor, traditional Thor, um, Odin Sun, and then of course um, you know King Thor on the end or Lord Thor. So yeah, nice, nice, uh, nice choice. And uh, bringing up the end of this set, we have uh, Yulik. That how you would. Well, again, uh, you know, this is just my my interpretation. I, I refer to him as Ulik. Um, you know, oh. I, I, uh, I think, yeah, uh, much like sort of Uno. Um, so I, I say Ulik, but, uh, you know, your Ulik is my something else. <laughs> yeah, a, I, I, I think it's safer to bet your pronunciation's closer than uh, my <laughs> one. Because this, this guy's always a weird character to me. For some reason, I always think that I haven't read much of him and then i go back and when i look it's like oh he was in that story i read that story i read that one i just sort of (laughs) i think when he appears i i kind of just think okay it's generic troll guy and Mm -hmm. i just assume they've just drawn a monster to have a monster guy in it but it is actually the same character who uh does constantly uh pop up and so much so (laughs) he's probably one of my biggest blind spots in comic reading where during the Matt Fraction Thor run, he actually takes over the mantle as Thor, as this character Tarnarus, where he's basically spying on the Asgardians when Thor's thought to be dead. And they kind of (laughs) advertised it as like, oh, there's a new Thor and it's a new type of character. And um, then it got revealed very quickly. Oh, it was him in disguise and he's chased off and Thor's actually alive. (laughs) And, I think every time I think of that story, I always think like, oh, whatever happened with that Thor that they were replacing and they came <laughs> through? I didn't. And then I go back and I was like, oh, no, I did read that. It was Eulikas, that one, and Thor wasn't dead and alive. He wasn't being replaced and all yeah. that. But they did so much hype around sort of this new Thor coming with this Tarnarus God of Thunder that it, it just always stands out. <laughs> and I always forget that I actually have read it and I know the outcome so um yeah he's he's a bit of a weird one uh in my collection but uh he's a great great figure um yeah look i've got very mixed feelings about this guy i um you know being a thor fan uh i've put some effort into some custom figures and um this guy holds the record in my collection uh for the custom that i have put the second most effort into I did a custom Ulic uh, a few years ago and, and really put in the, the hard yards and, and won a custom competition with him and he's proudly stood in my collection and um, you know he, he was one of those characters that I thought they'll never make there's just too much work involved they will simply um, never get around to doing it so I'm safe um, and so now I'm sort of questioning you know all the effort that I put into my Mangog 
uh, <laughs> custom, which because you know I sculpted yeah. the head and everything from scratch. Um, so, but one of the, the the things that stands out for Ulick for me is. Um, you know, often in the past, he's actually gone sort of toe to toe with Thor. Um, you know, he he's sort of the prince of trolls, and uh, therefore is a lot more powerful than the other trolls. But there's a great sequence where um, Thor, you know, Odin has died, and so Thor becomes, you know, the the Lord Regent of of Asgard and and takes on the Odin force. And so Thor's getting around is like this super Thor with all this extra power and. Uh, you know, Ulick does this um, thing where sort of he ends up like, oh, look, it's Thor. You know, I'm going to whoop him. <laughs> Thor basically just trounces him. Like, and poor Ulick's kind of just left going, you know, what happened? <laughs> it's like he's been hit by a truck. So, um, yeah, look, he, he does turn up a, a fair bit. He has done over the years and, um, you know, one of Kirby's best efforts. And, yeah, look, that and, – and so obviously I've got a custom of this guy, but – the other one that's kind of, you know, peeving me a little bit about this figure is, um, you know, Ulick is normally a kind of like a hairy, you know, hairy troll type thing, and they've made a lot of use of the rhino um, buck, and so he's got almost like a, a scaly appearance instead of that kind of hairy, you know, appearance. But um, I don't know, you know, your, your mileage might might vary. Yeah, it's um, it would have been nice if, like, you were just talking about the body hair on Odin's son, if they even used the scaly body but added those hairlines at points. Like, mm. there is a little bit of sculpting on his wrists, his feet, and um, as part of the um, armor chest piece, there's even shoulder hair that sort of droops over um, yeah. onto the, the shoulder joints. So there is nods to the hair, but, yeah, it's not quite comic accurate um through there but i do think it is a clever use of the rhino buck um it is for you know that is almost that sort of perfect shape uh to get in there now unfortunately rhino had pauldrons on his shoulder um that i don't think that rhino was sculpted with ulick in mind because you can see the screw joints uh where that pauldron would connect into that do sort of stick out like sore thumbs uh, they're in the uh, middle points but um, for the most part I think this uh, buck works fairly well for him um, yeah I, I mean look they've done some great new stuff obviously the head sculpt is fantastic they've had to do new hands and feet because uh, you know Ulick does have those those knuckle dusters that he gets around with and obviously the two-toed feet which will probably get reused um, again but, you know, I feel like, you know, they've kind of put this giant nappy over his, uh, you know, over his, his sort of groin. Um, you know, it's this kind of additional sort of, you know, the, the addition of the belt makes it look really sort of big and chunky. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a bit biased. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's understandable. So what uh, what was your base buck for your one? Uh, I used one of the Four Horsemen's... Um, uh, what were they called? Seventh Seventh Kingdom. Uh, yep. Um, they they did that buck, which they put then put sort of the hippopotamus head, the elephant head, um, and that sort of thing. So I used one of those and cut away a lot of the excess armor, um, just to sort of get that that size um, going on. And then for the head, I used a um, Calabac from DC Universe Classics. Nice. I was actually going to say you can kind of see where. Kirby got his Calabac design going uh, mm, with Ulick, mm. who uh, was uh, the ancestor to 
<laughs> Calabac there. Yeah, uh, yeah, there's a lot of that comparison in yeah, that run. But true. Yeah, really, like, I know it's always been there, but I never really realised he's sort of got hair horns um, yes. before until I was yes. really looking at this figure and uh, some <laughs> very cool touches that Kirby designs even still to this day. Yeah, you still uh, find little had, things in them. I had to sculpt those on mine, so yeah. <laughs> But, um, so, no, so it's a nice figure. Great paint. I love the metallic yeah. paint used on the the scale mail on on his chest, um, and you know the silver used on that that sort of um, I don't know what it is. It's kind of like a almost like a logo for a, a troll skull or something that forms the lower part of his armor. It's like a really nice contrast between the metallic paints and the those kind of matte paints of his skin. And the uh, knuckle dusters as well have that nice sort of metallic sheen yeah. to them too. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, very yeah. – and once again, this is a guy, as you said, like you never expect to have gotten really um, – I remember a lot of people were actually disappointed when he came out in the Marvel Universe scale uh, because they sort of thought, well, that's kind of the one time you get uh, yeah. <laughs> Hulick. Like that's – he's probably not coming to Marvel Legends uh, now at all. Uh, so it is good to uh, have him uh, out here. And I think – yeah, this line really has benefited particularly like I don't think there's been a figure here who's been bad in paint. They seem to have put in extra money um, towards yes. getting these washes and that across these five figures. And that was a real surprise for me, um, particularly after last year's uh, raft set that seemed to really scale back on uh, paint Yeah, uh, to have them here and really uh, shine through has been fantastic. So, uh, I think all in all, this might be my favourite San Diego box set yet. Um, cause there, there really yeah. isn't a huge dud for me. Um, the Odin Sun's probably my least favourite, but he's probably maybe in that B minus territory where everyone else is either an A or a B plus. There's no sort of C or D's. Yeah, so yeah, I'd, I think I'd, that's that's the same. Yep, I'd I'd probably in our old sort of dolly terms, I'd probably have to give this nine out of ten dollies all up. Yeah, a- absolutely. I think um, you know, as you said, Odin Sun's the, the weakest for me. You've got um, you know two solid villains in Malakith and and Ulic, which is great. I think Jane Foster deserved her her due, but um, Boar is easily the the standout character for me. I think he's just beautifully executed. So, yep, great stuff. Really, really good. And if there's one thing you should take away from this, it's that you should go out there and uh, read that Jason Aaron run because it's a huge part (laughs) of why me and Ben are sitting here and uh, gloating (laughs) through. But uh, uh, without anything else to add, I think we've covered it uh, fairly well. We've broken these down as much as we can, but I'm kind of excited to go play with them now. So... Uh, how about uh, we head on? <laughs> Let's we, do it. <laughs> uh, we'll meet back up with Scotty and we'll wrap things up with some feedback. If you like listening to podcasts, there's a good chance that you'd enjoy audiobooks as well. To make it easy for you, our sponsor Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial when you go to audibletrial.com forward slash afblues. A book I'd like to recommend is Wool by author Hugh Howey. It's the first book in a trilogy which unfolds the mysterious story of The Silo, a subterranean city extending 144 stories beneath the surface. It's a captivating book that I had to listen to almost in one sitting because I couldn't turn it off. 
to get your copy of Wool for free and start your 30-day free trial, or find another book to start your Audible journey, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash AFBlues. Before we finish off, we have some feedback from our listeners to share with you. If you'd like to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions on future episodes, email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com and you may just hear it read out on the show. Uh, now, Ben, you have our piece of feedback for tonight, so over to you. Well, thank you, sir. And this one comes from Joe Corzine. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And Joe says, hey, guys, I've listened to and love your show, and you guys do an amazing job. I first started picking up a few sideshow pieces after listening to your podcast and value your opinions. I know you cover a few in articulated news every once in a while, but I'd love to hear a longer segment with your thoughts and opinions on things like the Thanos ultra-fast sellout, the new Red Sonja, all the new Hot Toys Star Wars, like uh, Jedi Luke, Grand Moff Tarkin, the upcoming Emperor, Boba Fett Animated, and just a statue Hot Toys heavy discussion. I know I would enjoy it, and I bet other fans of the show would enjoy it. Thanks, Joe. Also from Indiana, meaning that John is from Indiana. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, no, well, thank you, Joe. Uh, Do appreciate that. And, um, yeah, look, I can give you my opinion on the Thanos Ultra Fast sellout right now, and that's fuckity fuck fuck. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much my summary. Um, I was actually quite uh, quite interested. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I was I was very keen on Thanos uh, from Sideshow Quarter Scale Marquette. Um, I haven't seen Sideshow sell out of anything for quite some time. Uh, they seem to have pretty high edition sizes now, and uh, I knew it was going up for sale uh, on on Thursday morning uh, Australian time, and I thought, oh, you know, I get up pretty early. So um, by the time I got to my computer, I think the pre-order had been open for about nine minutes and it had already sold out. So, uh, yes, that's that's my opinion. Um, and, of course, I put in a cancellation. Uh, what do you call it, Scotty? Where you, um, a waiting list? Waiting list. Thank you very much. I uh, put name, my name down on the waiting list, and then about a week later I got an email saying, hi, we had so many people putting their name down on the waiting list that yours has been cancelled. And so they said, oh, but the we... exclusive or that was for the exclusive. And they said, Oh, but we've still got the regular edition. And so, uh, you know, when you do two portraits and the better portrait is the exclusive, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I'm not going to spend that kind of money on a regular. So, yeah, that's that's my summary of the Thanos sellout. And as for the new Red Sonia, I, I do have her and I do have a fun story to go along with that. So, I'll probably cover her in a, an upcoming show. Or did you get the second, the, the next Red Sonia? Uh, I got the so they've, there's three there's two that are out yeah. and one that has been recently solicited so I have the the new one with the snake the dead snake as well so oh, cool. I, I picked her up <laughs> I picked her up some time ago I just sort of yeah, keep I forgetting that. to throw yeah there's I think there, there is a one that's been solicited beyond that isn't there oh yeah no the third yeah yeah no I haven't the got that one. enthusiastic no yeah no. I'm just like wow she, I didn't realize that can, can I just say with Thanos is one of those characters that people seem to have a hard-on for that I just don't understand. Like, <laughs> like, like, why, you know, I mean, like, not that he's not cool, but just the thing of, like, why everyone goes nuts for stuff like that. I, I just am like, 
no, I can think of a yeah, zillion better ways to spend my twelve hundred US. <laughs> I think they've built him up to be the the dark side of the Marvel universe. So, mm. I, yeah, I think it's kind of that twofold. One, he was a fantastic villain in a great comic storyline that a lot of people are nostalgic for, which is uh, Infinity Gauntlet. And I mean, it actually is kind of there is this weird, surreal, interesting idea of a villain whose basic motive is he's obsessed with death as a female form and he's just basically trying to impress a girl um, but could potentially kill half the universe to do it. There's sort of um, a weird, interesting character there. Um, But then also with the end of one of the biggest films of all time being him being teased and a lot of people then actually like – uh, one one thing that was actually kind of different with Thanos compared to everything else is generally when comic book films come out, you don't actually see that big of a bump in comic book sales for that character. Like mm. the Iron Man book didn't really go up in sales when an Iron Man film comes out. But one thing that got butts into comic book stores was people coming and looking for books with Thanos uh, in it uh, after that Avengers film. So something with that end little bit. Um, definitely caught people's attention and that's that kind of mystery. They want to be in on this character before he becomes a thing. Uh, so it's uh, he's definitely someone who's caught a lot of people's attention without a lot actually being there to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. <laughs> there you go. And Scotty's convinced now. I'm like yeah. I, I faded out halfway <laughs> through that, um, but yeah. okay. Like <laughs> I still don't get it's a very it. Very comic lore heavy episode this one. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I I needed to add to because I kind of come at this from uh, the other end where I actually don't collect a lot of high end uh, collectible stuff. So if, you know, on the hundred plus episodes I've uh, been on, um, you really wouldn't have heard me review that many. Uh, things in that area and it's just because I don't really collect it but I am always fascinated by it like I pretty much check out every hot toys solicitation that comes up I do find these things quite interesting but just from a budget perspective and space perspective I don't collect it but I do I am uh, quite like Joe, I'm always fascinated when people uh, talk about it and uh, run through. So I myself would like to be a listener of this segment. Hmm. <laughs> cool. We'll do it. Yeah. All right. Thanks yeah. done. Well, I guess that's it, guys. We're, we're at the end of another journey. I'm so glad Huzzah. we had this time together. <laughs> this song from- goes in a loop-de-loop. Yeah. That's a Carol yep. Burnett reference. I bet you don't even know who that is, any. Yeah. Well, mine was a Rachel Bloom reference, and I bet you don't even know who that is. And nor do I give two shits. Can I just share a story? This can go out to everyone. This isn't even a I, – so I take delight in annoying John with uh, him being a bit of an older statesman and me being a bit of a younger statesman. And I – I actually totally this, this, this probably should have gone in the beginning of the episode, but I had a bit of a weird collecting experience this week where I accidentally stumbled into 
the Australian release of New York Comic Con Funko Pop stuff. <laughs> uh, so even though it was New York Comic Con, they were doing a release of uh, Funko exclusives here in Australia. And I accidentally walked into the store that was doing this release unaware that this was going on and had a whole bunch of people uh, weirdly sort of look at me as if I was there to steal the precious. Um, and then when the nervous man behind the counter asked if I was there for Comic-Con and I said, no, I'm just here to have a browse around. Uh, they all seem to collectively give a bit of sigh of relief. Uh, I'd say all, probably eight of them gave a sigh of relief. And then there Hilarious. were two uh, sort of, general people there who are just pop collectors and looking to grab their pops but i did post about this uh on uh facebook and that and john was telling me oh they've got a slee stack there you should go get the slee stack and i just responded to him you mean that thing from the will ferrell movie and yeah. <laughs> well i i was proud of that terrible one. muriel we love you john we love you. i'm older than john anyway yeah, but you're young at heart. Thanks, buddy. That's true. Yeah. My wife said to me a while ago, do you think that when you're 70 that you'll still be a Muppet? <laughs> Why not? Someone has to Kermit. live. Probably. Probably. <laughs> but this Muppet has to go to bed now. Yes. All right. See you all next week. Good journey. Good night, nerds. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigureblues.com. Wherever you listen, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. Our theme music is by Robert Crandall. Our ad music is by Scott Holmes. The AFB logo is created by Nath Stones. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines, and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please check out our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, Loot Crate, Audible, and Gamefly. You can find us on Twitter at AFBlues, on Instagram at actionfigureblues, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. Thanks for listening. Trumping. That was me. Okay. Sorry, barely eaten. <laughs> oh my god. Would you like us to call you back when you finished your dinner? <laughs> that, that, that was a purpose one. When you finished masticating. <laughs> Epidermis means your hair, so technically it's true. <laughs>